you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Helen, good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> that All does right. not look like Vegas behind you. I just someone just commented, hey, why does anybody go to Vegas? And I said, it's got glitter in it. And someone else mentioned that it's like Disneyland for adults. And so I figured I would embrace the Disneyland theme for today. I disagree with that. I think Disneyland is like Disneyland for adults. I would vote to go to Disneyland 10 times over Vegas. You know, it's sweeping statements. We were just in Vegas for probably our third or fourth time. And it's lost some of its charm, maybe out of repetition, out of there's not much new. A lot of things are the same as they always have been. And a lot of things have worsened, actually. Everything is more expensive. Everything seems to be more crowded. Or our tolerance for crowds, our, the delight in finding bargains, has been overcome with everywhere you go. It looks like people are just trying to get a little bit more out of you. And in a sneaky way, instead of a straight up way. Colleen has made the comment that it used to be other places have always done that. There's always been hidden fees and stuff like that. But Vegas made you so happy that you were like, happy to give them your money. And now it just seems that for its, this is a sweeping statement again, back when it was run by the mob, they knew how to make it so that you were a willing participant in what, whatever was going on. You knew what the odds were and you decided to take the bet. And now it just seems to be they've, for instance, I play blackjack. I'm, I count cards. I'm pretty good at it. Do you like go Bond, James Bond? I know his game was Baccarat. <laughs> Baccarat exactly. And that's true. I, of course, wear my tux after six. What right. am I? Farmer. You know what I mean? And so it, it's instead of it being that they just say, hey, all the other bets in the casino are bad. Roulette only returns a certain amount of money. All the slot machines, all the video poker, stuff like that. Blackjack, they actually do things to just slightly worsen it so that the dealer hits on or doesn't hit on soft 17, changes it just by that, whatever, 0.2.4% or whatever your payoff is for blackjack. Instead of two for one, it's three for two or something like that. And in all those little ways, and because there's, of course, not a universal standard, depending on where you go and what time of day it is and what table you happen to sit down on, you have to read the little placard that says, here's what rules pertain at this casino at this time for this game and it's wearying instead of just sitting down and saying let's play blackjack i know how to play blackjack every hotel has a resort fee nowadays i remember when they first instituted that and it was just like a little five or ten dollar thing where hey we want to compete on price on all the various different websites that do that the kayaks and the price lines but then once we have you kind of like airlines with baggage fees once we have you then we're going to start jacking up the price with all the extra things and there's i'm sure perfect scientific psychology behind once they have it you'll just keep putting a little bit more down instead of undoing what you've already done and looking elsewhere resort fees are now up to 45 bucks a night wow and like i don't know i guess if the resort consists of hey i get a massage and a manicure and a pedicure and someone puts on my lotion out at the pool 
But it's not. It's just the same things they've always offered. No place has upped its game in terms of now it's even more like a resort. And the Cabana Boys come around with free drinks. I I just, I don't like the fact that it seems sneaky. And that so much of any consumer decision is real capitalism is knowing what your choices are and choosing which one fits your profile, whether you're risk averse or risk tolerant or risk embracing, or what what strata of society you're in as to whether you're in a five or a 25 or a $500 game of blackjack. And they've made it harder and harder for us to figure it out because I'm like a shopper and I don't mind doing a little bit of that research, but you get to a certain point where this is just too hard. I don't want to be suspicious of everyone so like, for instance, we went to see a bunch of shows and shows have a face value for the ticket. Then you go to the various different sites like Vegas.com or spotlight.vegas.com where they give you a discount back. And then you find out that they take some of that back by saying, now there's a per ticket fee charge. And one of them adds a per transaction charge, kind of like Ticketmaster and all of its longstanding evil. And then you find out, wow, my discount turned out to be like percent not the 30 40 50 percent that they advertise and i can't was there a single interaction that i didn't get that little bit of disappointment riding the double deuce bus it was like it goes up and down the strip and of course it's the double deuce because it's the double decker bus and so if you don't mind taking the bus you actually get to avoid all the walking or all the traffic of the strip which is amazingly terrible right we actually did I'm with only Lyft, Ubers, no car. And so you have to have a way of getting around. And my little older feet are getting a little bit unwilling to walk five miles a day. Hey, let's have the plantar fasciitis kick in. So that was like 20 bucks for a three-day pass. All you could eat, haha, on the bike. I was like, wow, a bargain in Vegas. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It used to, I, I don't mean to go on, but like I used to subscribe to a thing called the Vegas Advisor that had really good reviews of, Where's the best buffet in town? Where are the real bargains? You can still get a dollar shrimp cocktail, five big prawns hanging out of a glass with cocktail sauce. But it's like from six to 10 in the morning, just when you're thinking breakfast shrimp cocktail sounds great. And how many things have worsened? Every hotel, we stayed at a place called the Oyo, which was just off the south end of the strip. And it had reasonable reviews and turned out to be okay. We saved a certain amount of money, but it just, we had a fire alarm one night. We had one of the elevators go out. So every time you went up and down the building, a little extra time. And maybe it's not just Vegas, maybe it's the world in general, but is everything getting just a little bit worse? And the clerk just looks at you and says, what are you going to do? But I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of just the acceptance of, it used to be that, like I said, you, Vegas, you got bellmen, bell women hopping to help you with your bags. And maybe some part of it, this is weird, is there's stratification of society. I'm sure if I pull up in my Bentley at Caesar's Palace, I will get fawned over and treated very well. But if I'm there in my polo shirt with a pair of shorts on and I have greenbacks ready to spend, but you don't adopt the whole treat me right and I'll pay you big. We tipped handsomely many places we went, but some places we got such shitty service that we were like, I whatever I just overgave over here, I got a guy, this guy next to nothing because it was it, it, the lack of service made things unpleasant. How in the world am I still expected to tip? And of course, nowadays, things don't start at 15%, it's 18, 20, 22, 25, the suggested tips at the bottom of the thing. And honestly, I'm so happy for 
working any service job is not easy. I'm happy right. to help those people make a little bit more money. They did me a turn. They gave me one more Diet Coke refill that, you know, faster than when I had asked for it. All those but, little things really matter to me. Attitude of it. And some people I'm sure could jump on this telling me, no, you're wrong. But it seems like the service attitude is I'm doing something for you. So you better give me a good tip instead of, hey, let me do a good job. So I earn a good tip. It's like this job sucks. So you should give me more. It is an attitude. It seems that was a little bit of evidence, lots of good service, but the few places where that wasn't, it was like, man, maybe you shouldn't be in the service industry. Maybe you shouldn't be doing this. And, and especially and it in like, Vegas. Wow, it's two in the morning and I know you're tired. And so I get it and I have sympathy for you. When there's a big rush lunch crowd or something like that, and it isn't that they're so overburdened from what I could tell about how many tables they were handling or how many people they were handling. There just was a certain attitude. And here, we can just leave that alone. A big discovery was how much I hate smoking more than I ever have. All the rest of the United States has really just pushed back on. It doesn't happen in restaurants, public places. Vegas hasn't done that yet. Nevada is still full of vices. And one of the vices that people can't do without is a lot of drinking, a lot of smoking. People can drink and not bother me at all, except when they're like vomiting on me on the yeah. side. <laughs> but everywhere we went, I just, I couldn't be in there for more than five or 10 minutes where I'm like this, it's really, and it's funny. I had a bit of a sore throat. I actually got diagnosed just before heading to Vegas. They gave me the amoxicillin for pharyngitis. So maybe I was more vulnerable than usual, but maybe that's exactly the test case that you got to have for, man, if I've got a sore throat and every one of these places makes it worse and I have to get out because I'm really feeling terrible, that's not good for your health overall at any time. So at the OYO, they actually had a dollar blackjack game. And because I was rusty, I hadn't done real blackjack for a long time. I figured I'll tune up my basic strategy at the OYO and then know that I can play the $25 game and not immediately take a bath. When If you read any kind of blackjack books, you're supposed to have 40 units to make sure that the ups and downs of cards and stuff like that. So for 40 40 times 25 bucks a game, I got to have $1,000. That's a stake that I gave myself going out there, but I'm like, really, I'm going to lose it all in one session? (laughs) Having said that, I better practice. Every time that I went to the dollar blackjack tables, it wasn't just a little smoke. There were multiple people chimney-wise smoking, and I couldn't sit at a table of seven, six, seven, with how much was being put into the air right in front of me. I've lost my tolerance for it entirely. And this is sad. We still have members of Colleen's family that smoke. We We still have some places that we go to that it's not in Ohio, in restaurants or concerts or anything like that. But there's some places that it still happens. And even out of doors, I, I just, I hate walking by and smelling it. it that just smoked coming inside. It's, it's in you. It's, yeah. in, it's in, in your breath. Like uh, The ones that are the worst are when we're outside. Yeah, but you're three inches from the door right in front of it. Like, I have to go around you. To, it's like, move right. over. And then they get all indignant. That's taking away my rights. Blah, blah. Oh, my God. Seriously. You want to smoke, fine smoke, but have some consideration. Just move to the side. Is it that hard to move to the side? You're obviously standing here to make a point and be a dickhead about it. I'm pretty sure that there's a statistical, <laughs> like big match, whatever, 98% between the people that first when smoking was revealed to be really bad for you and really bad for others, that that's what they said. I have a right to smoke. It's like, how does that word even enter this conversation? You have a vice that you can't stop yourself from having, and it, you, it 
runs your life so much that you're willing to harm your children, harm your wife or husband, harm your pets, harm friends who come over to visit you. It's really, I hate how it changes people. Most vices have that weird thing of, wow, that's an uncharacteristic, indecent, unmutual thing to be doing at the expense of, where's the money in your family going to? How's your health doing? Yeah. Are you killing yourself early? Don't you think that your and your, your loved ones want you to stick around long? No, but you need this more than you need all of that. It's sick. It's how it warps your brain. And it's you know? funny, you're in Vegas. Like you said, it's one of the few places that people just smoke everywhere, that they haven't yes. enforced those laws. And when they're smoking, it's affecting you. It's affecting everybody. And it makes, it, you know, it, heck, if you're smoking in your house, it lowers your house value. There's nothing positive about it except for the fact that they're making some people at some cigarette company very rich. That's the only positive, And that's a, a negative positive. If there's anybody that you don't want to put your hand yourself into their hands. It's the evil yes. tobacco companies. Yes. Again, scientifically, they know exactly how to get you started early when you're young, Joe Camel, how to keep you addicted, how to tune what goes into a cigarette so that it's just the addictive ingredients in the right mixture that you just can't not have it. Yeah. So my, my, here's my thing. I know this is a personal rant on it, but you're going to smoke. You're going to every negative thing just mentioned, but you want to think that me playing Dungeons and Dragons or watching super or reading a comic or something, that that's something that is like unworthy or not an adult thing or come on. As I, and you're, in, I love Vegas because you got your vices. You can go and drink all you want and you're at the hotel. You're not driving and stuff. Okay. That's fine. Like you said, smoking is the worst because it affects other people, but it's also legalized prostitution in the area that doesn't affect anybody. So honestly, <laughs> out of those three smoking's the worst one for people to be doing <laughs> amongst the vices that Vegas yes. by being <laughs> Sin City. Exactly. Actually, this is another big observation. There used to be a lot more naughtiness. By that meaning, there are still billboards where they have showgirls from the various different shows or a new thing. They actually have showgirls out walking in the streets so that you can take a picture with them if you'd like. And they've got beautiful but skimpy costumes and big headdresses, and they're gorgeous. You know what I mean? And But it used to be that even more than that, you had the boxes full of the publications where it's like, you can have this beautiful showgirl slash hoe sent to your room and people handing you cards and stuff like that. And that seems to be a little bit less in evidence. Maybe part of the corporatization of America is, hey, we're willing to kill you, but we don't want you to get laid on a, inappropriately. <laughs> That's the worst thing to do. <laughs> exactly. So I guess as they've made it kind of family friendly, they've had to, and I didn't see there was a particular, maybe downtown is seamier than other places. I know there's still a part between the main strip and downtown. It seems to be the rundown section of the city where they have all the drive-through chapels and the porn stores and stuff like that. But on the strip, it really seems to have been cleaned up. Isn't the right word. It's just less than evidence. You know what I mean? There's still, and it's funny because it's Vegas and it's already 80 degrees out. You don't really need to show girls. There's all kinds of um, ladies that are dressing up because, hey, it's Vegas, baby. And it's, wow, they have underwear on and then a sheer dress over it. And they're beautiful. Women are, there's all kinds of beauty amongst the ladies. And yet that people shed their inhibitions in that way. So, so if what you like is handsome men or shapely ladies, they're much in evidence just from looking well, doing the crowd watching. So some of these I mean? people probably go to Walmart 
dressed the way they do then they go to vegas it's kind of the same thing at times (laughs) exactly it was funny to see some people really dressed beautifully got gold lame uh outfits and stuff like that but because they know they're going to be doing a lot of walking along the strip they still had like gym shoes or sandals on or something like that some had high heels they really did it to the nines i don't know it's a great town for people watching and a number of times (laughs) i would point out people to each other they were just like okay there's lots of amazing and beautiful and so forth but look at this one this is like wow you know what i mean or wow in the other directions oh did you not look in a mirror before going what what are you thinking some costumes some people love doing the full anime look where they've got the black spike hair and they nerdness or their nationality or their whatever they play to their strengths as to whether they're shapely or teenage boy you know what i mean there's lots of people with lots of tats on display you know that the nerd wise, the geekery part of this was I really am. I don't want to just be a sucker. Gambling is pretty much a tax on people who don't get math. You know what I mean? And so if I'm going to do it, I know the house has an advantage in everything. So I don't want to sit down and play Kino where it's 50%, but you can look for good video poker games, the reasonable blackjack games, that kind of stuff. And that's what I try to do. We ended up, like I said, I had a big stake that I'm like, how much of this am I willing to pay for entertainment? We were down about 55 bucks over the course of four days. Nice. That's not bad at all compared to we've, I had a couple big wins. I had one time where I won like $1,300. Let's go to a show and let's have a big dinner. And then I think I mentioned this even last time we did that early on the first time that Colleen and I met in Vegas. And so then you have this thing of, We'll just go to Vegas whenever we want and make a thousand dollars and have that sponsor the rest of our stuff for the weekend. And you know what? Winning early on, not a good thing because then it has that little not expectation, but the lure, <laughs> the dangle of, hey, this is easy. Let's go to Vegas. I've never had I've had some good wins and never a go home in a barrel loss. And in this case, it I was able to maintain and Colleen was able to maintain. We had this is so much loud. Are you not a man, Al? We had so much fun, the two of us, playing video poker for 25, 50 cents, a dollar a hand, and maybe multiple hands, three, five hands, yeah. but just choosing as to go for the Royal Flush. And sometimes an uh, against the odds bet, you know that drawing three to a flush is not good, but wouldn't it be cool? I want the story of saying, and then the Royal Flush happened and ding, 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 ding. <laughs> so we just had like laughing fun instead of another thing that seems to happen in casinos as is. Like we walk in, it's like, how do all these people have all this money that they can just piss it away into the tables? And they don't seem to be having a woohoo type time. It's glassy eyed and they don't have the one armed bandits. There's still a couple in each place because some people want this cool field, but most of them are all touch the screen or digital, yeah, that kind of stuff. And so you can really tear through how many spins, how many hands dealt, and that kind of stuff. And and even when they get a big win, they don't seem to be like, ah. And revel in it for a moment. They just go back to hitting the buttons again. Yeah. It really is like rats hitting the buttons to get that food pellet. pellet. It, they've got it. They know how the little endorphin rush, the little serotonin in your brain is such a thing for everyone that, that you have to fight how smart they've become yeah. in tuning it. So there's intermittent reward and just enough little lights and glitter and stuff like that. And people are coming around plying you with free drinks, which of course, if you're looking to make a better decision, throw some alcohol in there. That'll yeah. help you. You know <laughs> what I mean? So we resisted a lot of Vegas's blandishments and had a really nice time. We made a point of seeing very Vegasy shows. I can see comedians everywhere that we go and rock bands and stuff. And so they have, they have shows ranging from, I don't know, $20 to $500 tickets right. and stuff like that. And we made a point of seeing like the magician, 
Where do I see sleight of hand magic? Erie, Pennsylvania actually has a magic club called Keller's that we have not been at since it became the magic club. So we made a point of seeing a guy named Farrell Dillon, who did really good close-up magic and some illusions, and another guy named Murray the Magician that had great patter and great audience involvement and stuff like that. And then we saw V, the amazing variety show, because another thing you don't get to see is who's going to be spinning the plates like on Ed Sullivan, who's going to be doing the contortionist, amazing, how do they hold all their weight on one hand and then move around and all of a sudden their hips in a different thing and like perfectly balanced. So we made a point of doing very Vegasy things. That's cool. Not seeking out necessarily like the spectacular Cirque du Soleil shows. We kept thinking that's what we're going to do. We're going to do Ka or O or Mystere. And just when we looked at like the price compared to, it, it really is Vegas. They've taken residencies and some of them have been here probably running for 20 years now. Yeah. And yet, you know what? We just, it, I, and I just, we're not cheap. And yet it seemed like that's not as much I can wait for Cirque du Soleil to come to town and set up their tent or be at the Wolstein Center or whatever like that. And we just had a nice time trying to find something a little more obscure. And then when you have not a whole throng and crowd, but the place is half full, you get a little bit of attention. In many cases, the kinds of tickets that we bought, they moved us up because they want people to be closer to the stage so that right. the comedian or the magician has more fun. The big luck that we ran into was, we, so we're staying at the Oyo, it's right near the Tropicana. We, we go to the Tropicana for the Murray the Magician show, and we see, like on one of the electronic things, Rich Little every Sunday to Wednesday. It's like, you mean like Rich Little? I didn't know that he was still around. I haven't really yeah. heard him for the last yeah. 20, 30 years. And yet there he was, a little bit of a nostalgia show where he had like films of him being on The Tonight Show and being at the Friars Roast and all that kind of cool stuff. But he still sounded great. He still did a perfect John Wayne and a perfect Ronald Reagan. And admittedly, some of his perfect was from 30 years ago. And yet it, we were old enough to be like, wow, I can still appreciate that he does a perfect Cary That's Grant, cool. a perfect James Stewart. An amazing, by luck, it was our last night in Vegas. And like we, we had seen the four o'clock show and we just turned around and went back into the 630 show for Rich Looks Like when you get a chance to see a legend, Don Rickles, Rich Little, Norm Crosby, the people that built Vegas. Cool. How cool. So, that, that, wow. <laughs> it sounds like a good trip. And I agree with you. That's, I've never been attracted to the gambling, the big shows as much. I agree. I would much rather just go find those little shows, go to the magician and find that buffet that's a little weird and different off the strip <laughs> and stuff. That's the type of stuff I enjoy doing. Me and the kids exactly. always did when we go out on vacations, yeah. something a little different. We, Colleen and I love buffets. I think we might've talked about this before. And again, maybe the geekery component is I kind of love not having to read the menu, make a commitment. And that's the thing I get. I love being able to try 20 different things. Yeah. And if you like something, then you go back and get a heap more. So we looked into it and the best breakfast buffet was at a place called Main Street Station, like the Garden Court. And it really was wonderful. Big, high ceilings room, very airy, all different, everything you could imagine for breakfast and going on brunch and stuff like that. And not the press of people. So we took our sweet time and didn't think we had to like render our table up because a certain amount of it is about table turnover. Unfortunately, the best reviewed friends of ours that are very Vegas savvy had told us it's not 50 buffets anymore. COVID slaughtered that field and so a couple of them reopened but now it's like a dozen not 50 wow. so we read the reviews of the best ones and like the bacchanal is the best one but it's caesar's palace like a hundred dollars each i don't know that i could eat a hundred dollars of food even <laughs> quail eggs and gold schlager and stuff like that i just that it startles me to think of 
I'm so happy with a $20 pizza. How can I eat five times as good as that? So I had that weird thing. I'm like, is that really 60 Big Macs? You know what I mean? I got such a crass thing because I have that kind of pedestrian taste. But it's in me that I maybe I am going to get the Wagyu beef and the crepes, the best crepes in Vegas. And I'm still like, wow, $100 is a bunch of meals to me, not one. Having said that, we found that the Wicked Spoon at the Cosmopolitan was the best rated Vegas thing. And you know what? Nowadays, it, it used to be they had to get the Vegas advisor to know that in the age of the era of the internet, everyone knows that. Yeah. So we got there one time, two hour wait. We're not waiting two hours just to have lunch. So we bailed and went elsewhere. We really wanted to go to it. So on Monday, when we figured it would be less busy, we went and it was still like an hour and 20 minute wait. And we just said, we'll be okay if we just chat in line and then people watch and stuff like that. But it was still, that's gone. Like yeah. I'm kind of used to just walking up to do things. And it was good, but was it worth not only the money, but the extra hour 20? No. So not only Vegas, but like buffets in general, this would not have been the thing that would say, I can't wait to go back and get more, whatever. They, they really had good variety and all, man, one of the things they've done is it's not only about the food. They have groaning under the weight of how many desserts they have. <laughs> and you'll see little kids, like that's their idea of heaven is they've got for their first plate, they haven't gotten lunch, they've gotten dessert and they're going to work their way through dessert until their eyes are vibrating in their head from all their sugar. <laughs> so they had gelato and I could try three different flavors, little scoops of each. It wasn't like a pound of gelato. I I had a nice time and Colleen and I, we love each other's company and we're like commenting and giving each other little tastes and stuff, but it's still how much time and how much money we just... Oh, oh. <laughs> that, that's always been my thinking and my arguments with it that, yeah, Vegas is fine, but for the amount of money and that I would spend, I would much rather go to some local festivals, go to one of Colin's cryptid things and go to the talks, have a nice hotel there. I find as much enjoyment in doing those things and without spending all the money at Vegas, I could do more of those things around. So that's just how my brain's always worked. I've never been that attracted to Vegas or Atlantic City or just some of the big, oh, you got to go to this or that. I'm just as happy doing the smaller stuff. And we yeah. talk a lot about all the stuff we go to in local things. Some people go, do you guys like ever sleep? Or <laughs> Yeah. And Colleen and I had done a Christmas letter for a long time. And that's what often the comment on that is, wow, I read your letter and I'm exhausted. Like how much, and instead of just sitting at home, you really can go to a hike to an old growth forest in Ohio, an hour drive away. And why not? If you, once you find out about it, then you get to decide when you want to do it. And is it fall when the leaves are changing or is it spring when the frogs are croaking? A little bit of that, of, everybody should go to Vegas once to see it. To, I kept thinking, if I was seeing this with new eyes, it really might be still spectacular. The hotels are amazing. Like when you see New York and it's the simulated New York skyline and they got a little Statue of Liberty and you go to Paris and it's got an Eiffel Tower and, and the balloon. And so maybe that's another thing is that instead of it, like we used to go and as you walked up and down the strip, you'd see the dancing fountains at Bellagio. You'd see the pirate battle at Treasure Island. And those kind of spectacles don't seem to be as much in evidence instead of having every hour on the hour, like old faithful, the geyser, I, we just didn't see them. Some places, the lobbies are spectacular and the just the decorations. It really is still a monument to access. The number, another thing that seems weird is I remember when I first went to Vegas, all the lights 
of they have big light displays and like the stardust it goes up and then boom it explodes and westward ho the cowboy waving his hand yes <laughs> nowadays as corny and so they've moved to solid state and big screen but it was it's not as cool as seeing like an old yeah. machine where instead of being the computer controls it somebody worked out how to make this mechanical thing operate to such a level of precision that it's really like beautiful and nothing you've ever seen before so there has been replacement creative destruction of the old sahara the sands that some of them are still around the harris harris is there the mirage is still there but those older ones like westward ho and i think the flamingo is still there now there's actually a neon museum and that's one of the few things we really were going to do that we didn't end up doing because you have to see it at night like nine o'clock in thereafter when it's nice and dark it's at the north end even beyond fremont street which is now old downtown vegas and so i really want to it's kind of like, I'm sure there's been a movie film there where it's a little yeah. bit spooky, like old circus stuff. And you're like, wow, do people live here and we don't know it? <laughs> you right. know what I mean? It, I really would like to see some of those old things that have been preserved so that you can still see a geyser going off in just light bulbs, not simulated TV screen stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? So there's anyway. definitely an appreciation for some of the old type stuff, the way they did them. And I miss some of that stuff. And I wish more people would at least appreciate it. I know there's people like, ah, that's stupid. That's old. That's blah, blah, blah. It's not everything has to be big flashy to be cool. It's I like, like they, they compete for your attention in all the right ways. They really do still have the flashing lights to get you to come in here and little arrows and that kind of stuff. And even like the shows, the backdrops behind the magician shows, or especially the variety show was all kinds of things in a back screen, a back scrim doing, doing all the lighting effects and stuff like that. And it really adds to it and bigger, better sound instead of being like a four piece playing live. It really is of course now all computerized and perfect right. and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't, I like the transition in some ways from old to new, and because I've now been going for 40 years, I really have a taste of how long I've since <laughs> remembering the old days and coming to the new it. I think that the understanding of how gambling works, I like the fact that I think I can get an edge on the various different things. I feel sad for all the people that just go in there to be fleeced. Someone made a comment also like, why do all those beautiful things exist? Because all the losers that put their money into it is how you can build a pyramid, an Eiffel Tower, all that kind of stuff. But they're all there willingly. You know what I mean? There's nobody there. It's like, you go to Vegas and you spend your money and you have to. They're, everybody there is seemingly having a wonderful time. All kinds of uh, late night tattoos. There's a bad decision that's going to follow you for the rest of your life. How much alcohol did you have to have in? That's a Jimmy Buffett song. <laughs> <laughs> Margaritaville, exactly that. They and I don't know that I noticed specifically bad tattoos, but when you look at what's in the window and it's really someone is going to come here and get like the Transformers and then forever after look at this thing on their chest or on their calf, right? Or it is. The ultimate <laughs> bad, though, is the wedding chapel with the tattoo parlor next to it. So you get a double. You both get matching tattoos from exactly. the wedding. And you wake up the next day, you're like, oh, yeah, we're in so much trouble. <laughs> I did propose that to Colleen. So we should go to these places that does temporary tattoos. And, yeah. and when we go home, have all of our friends go, oh, my God, I thought you were going to go all your life without getting one. You finally broke down. And it'll be something like where you get your forearms, then you can put it together and it goes Shazam, and you get... See, okay, so you brought that up. I've advocated for temporary tattoos for a while because I've had family... Colin's got a Batman tattoo. Gina had several tattoos, and various people I know have some tattoos. 
I've just never felt the real desire to get one, but I understand how they can be cool. I just don't like the permanence of it. So the temporary tattoos are great. People are like, oh, man, up. it's not about manning up. It's not about worrying about the needle. It's not. I just don't like the permanent that I, it's there. And I was telling, I'm like, look, people change their hairstyle, their hair color, their earrings. They change them. The necklaces they wear. We change our clothes. We wear different clothes to look like, why does tattoos have to be permanent? Why can't we just have a temporary? And I do that. I've actually got paper I can print out on my laser and it makes temporary tattoos. And I've done that and printed out things I wanted and worn them or whatever, because it's like any other adornment we have. And I feel different. So maybe I want something different at times. So the temporary works perfect for me. (laughs) Exactly. Honestly, we are so much in alignment. I have a problem with, I've never found an image that I thought, I want to see that every day. And I want everyone else to see it on me that it so represents me. Is it going to be a band logo? Is it going to be an ethnic thing where it's like, I should have a German or a Lithuanian thing on me. And it's, but I don't know that I present myself to people that when you get to know me, it's not like the first thing you know is, Hey, he's German. It, that doesn't occur to me to be that that's the foot forward that I would put to everyone in the world. Why am I I even talking to them that that's how I want to represent myself? So would I get the Mensa logo? No, like same thing. Sometimes I wear a Mensa pin and sometimes it's it's just me. You don't need to worry about like (laughs) when someone insists that you call them doctor because they've got their PhD, it weirds me out a little bit (laughs) because it's wow. I know that's a big part of your identity and it really is a cool achievement and stuff like that. But for you to actually correct a friend and how they address you, I don't have any Kings. I don't have any Duke or Earl or doctor that I think they automatically can demand that respect from me instead of maybe I'll choose to say that, but to be corrected, to call someone something different, it weirds me out. Especially in an intimate situation with a friend or something. Exactly. And, I always thought that some part of the way in which you become friends is that after you know them, people have nicknames for each other. So it's either Alan or Al or, I don't know, Big Guy, Iron Man, whatever I've had at various different times in my life. And when I have people like a friend, Catherine, that was like, hey, Kathy. Oh, no, it's Catherine. And wow, how about if I call you Thrin? How about (laughs) I I start making fun of the fact that it, it wasn't an offense to me to shorten their name because sometimes it matters a lot. It matters that their parents gave them that name and they respect their parents and they want that. Or it matters that there's a particular kind of name because the father is Robert, but they go by Rob. So there's some between them or whatever, but, and I, and there's magic, there's power in naming things, but to have that little extension of we're good enough friends now that we can have a nickname for each other and to have it refuted. It's like, then I know the extent of our friendship. I know the depth of, and or that it's, that that matters more to you than that little bit of intimacy, that little bit of connection that would be, we have things for each other that other people don't ordinarily use. So funny, I really have that. I really have that. Oh, I thought that we were already friends. Right. <laughs> oh. it, that's never bothered me a whole lot. I grew up as Steve. In fact, my one neighbor still calls me Stevie. <laughs> which is funny i've, exactly. known, her, okay. I've known her since i was like seven so right. she still calls yeah. me that but <laughs> when i got my job it job at the insurance company in columbus i created the position this was in the mid to late 90s where people companies were just now rolling out computers they had been using a green screen connected to the vax terminal in tennessee 
that's what they were coming from. Wow. Okay. And they were talking about upgrading the computers. And I approached the head of the office. I said, Hey, I'd love to be in the IT department. They said, Oh, we're not going to have one here. And I went, Oh, you don't know a whole lot about this, do you? Because we had 70 people and 20 external salespeople. And I'm like, yeah, oh, we're just going to use support in Tennessee. So I kind of wormed my way in, created the job. And suddenly I found myself with an office and a desk and a locked door. And I was only like 25. You, you made a proposal and you they, you proved easily that you right. were on site if you can get it. Exactly. Right. And so I was like the one of the youngest people in the office. I'd been there the least amount of time. And suddenly I'm like, have the third most power in the office. And a lot of people were a little... So I started going by Steven and I've just kind of kept doing that, but okay. all my friends still Steve or my neighbor still calls me Stevie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I, because, because I know you as Steven, I think I called you from Steven. If I ever call you Steve, it really isn't trying to, but I don't even notice you. Yeah. You know don't I mean? even it's really a, care. It's yeah. just uh, no, no sense in fighting and arguing, telling people, oh no, you can call me Steve. Or, and I know a lot of times I get people on the interviews, especially other countries where automatically they say Stefan. And I don't get that as much in the States, but from other countries, I get Stefan a lot. So whatever, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I have had people, I'm Alan, A-L-A-N. And sometimes the, depending on whether you're like, continent or england they have the a-l-e-n versus the allen there's different forms but i had people tell me because i go by al a lot they're like what's your real name it's what's alan and it's oh man because it was al we thought it was like aloysius or albuquerque or something like that that's my <laughs> uncle's aloysius <laughs> it's like that and wow i guess if you shorten it it really could be because you don't like the full-blown version albacore i <laughs> but it never occurred to me it just was an i don't know one less syllable to and now it's funny whenever i see ai I'm like, Al, it, it looks like <laughs> Al on every song. Anyway. It always reminds me of... Are, names are fascinating and interesting. So Yes. It always reminds me of Aladdin, the movie with Robin Williams. He's going, should I call you Al? How about Laddie? And he's just spewing off of Aladdin. How about Din? Exactly, Din. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's always a good scene with Robin Williams in there. Absolutely. So, you don't know what's going to happen. He's yeah. amazing in terms of how he, his mind makes such amazing connections and does the funniest version of each of those. Absolutely. Speaking of comedians, yeah, master. <laughs> you mentioned earlier that back in the mob days of Vegas, how things were. And that's funny because the TV show Sons of Anarchy, which I never thought I'd want to watch. It's a motorbike gang and just, you know, okay, it's just right. not my type of show. But I had a friend said, oh my God, it was amazing. I loved it. I ate it up. I'm like, okay, I'll give it a chance. I got a good recommendation. And I did. I pretty much binged it over a couple months and just couldn't okay. stop watching, fell in love with it. But it was that same thing. And that's the discussion is you have this motorcycle gang who they do illegal things, right. but they control the town. And they keep drugs from coming in. They keep guns from coming in. They're doing it outside. They're doing it in controlled ways. And that keeps the town safe in a way. And, right. and I they know people a are like, little bite, but they offer other services. And they yes. keep saying, okay, that's the right amount of corruption. Or exactly. exactly. <laughs> and they don't take advantage of the town. They don't. It's a weird balance. And it's a weird way of looking and thinking of the world. Does everything run well that way? No, I'm, I, I hope not. 
course, <laughs> you mentioned corruption. Look at all, oh, the good and bad. I was thinking, oh, one of the good things in today's world is it seems a lot of politicians are getting in trouble for their actions lately. So that's a good thing. But it's a, with the Sons of Anarchy, I watched the whole show and I'm like, wow, I totally get that. Yes, they were good for the town could have been worse. Yeah. I watched the first couple, maybe three seasons. And then unfortunately there was, a, as I recall, a really graphic rape scene. And I, I it disturbed me enough that I, I need to take a break. I'm not going to keep binging and I've never returned to it. And I don't, Fair. I sure don't like rape, but I don't think it's enough that I would say that can be a plot point for it really is a terrible world you live in and some part of how people assert control over each other or how they attack others is and really so much what world the world has become is it isn't people competing with each other it's finding out how they can hurt the other guy and that isn't it's i'm going to attack your family i'm going to attack your hometown i'm going to do something to hurt you and stop you from being able to compete with me like that bullying that coercion that comes from that kind of thing it's all around us now it's never been as much in evidence the previous 20 years to the last 20 of how people are always on the attack and always, maybe that's a bad mob thing is, you know what I mean? The police would be, Hey, we're going to go after this guy. And then funny, none of the, the witnesses were willing to testify because they were all getting threatened that we will kill you and your family and your right. dog if you did this. And now that's politics. Now it's how much stuff do you see going on where we've got the thug, former thug in chief that they just, for the, Gene Carroll verdict that came out, they told all the jurors specifically, don't reveal who you are because we're worried that you're going to get harmed. That this yes. nut in a rally says, hey, that guy who we don't like, get him. Not just usher him from the building, but beat him up, kill him. What? And every other enemy that he wants to name. What a disgusting, evil world to be. He's got crazies that are willing to do things for him. And he just points them at various different things. How are we going to get away from that? You know what I mean? All those willing minions that really are willing to do evil things yeah. because the lead devil, oh my God, what? worse than it's been in a long time in that way. It's everything's let's sue somebody. If we're not going to threaten their life and bodily harm, we're going to sue them. We're just before Biden even was president, they were already writing out an impeachment and a lawsuit against them. And I'm like, are you serious? This is where our politicians are focusing that let's just do what we can to make life horrible for the other party. We don't care what they bring up. We're going to just fight it and deny it, whatever it is. That's exactly. not, and you mentioned the death threats in that. I remember hearing the guy, Ahmed Best, the guy who played Jar Jar Binks, he's an right. actor. So he was handed a script of what to do and say. He had a director telling him what to do and say. And he did that as his job. Yet, for some reason, people hated Jar so that much, character. they exactly. threatened him and his life. What is wrong with people? Absolutely. That <laughs> level of nuttiness that are looking for, how can I make a statement by killing someone, by yeah. killing a cartoon, by killing a... I want to control everything in the world to my way of thinking so much. Yeah. And honestly, <laughs> Jar Jar is not that bad. Again, wake up. This was a story written for kids. It's a fairy tale. It's another character in the world. So what if you don't like it? I don't <laughs> like the housewives of... 
Beverly Hills or whatever the hell those shows are. I've never threatened any of those actors. I, I, whatever that is in people's psychology that says, not only do I not like it, but I'm determined to have nobody like it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm going to eliminate that or I'm going to intimidate others or that maybe that it's the politics of intimidation and kind of funny superheroes. And once again, to geek it up so much of what we see in superheroes and any number of crime things is that they're the people that are willing to be the untouchables. They don't have families that can be threatened. They're not going to back off no matter what. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And then you do what you're going to do. And I'm not going to stop. And that's, you have to have that steel, that spine that says, I'm, I'm not going to be bullied, pre-threatened into not doing the right thing. But so many, maybe it's funny, maybe it's a, a reversion in nature. A lot of times when animals have confrontations, they don't fight to the death. They tussle enough for one or the other to figure out this isn't worth getting maimed. This isn't worth the amount of food. I won't be able to hunt. I'll give myself another year of growing up and then I'll come back and threaten the alpha male again. But they back off instead of it being to the death. And maybe that's one of the things you knew yeah. up when you're getting bullied. You got to stand up to them. And I think that we're losing a certain amount of that. The way that the jerks of the world have made it that they can use lethal force over nothing that now that their threat is very real, even if you don't want it to be. I don't know, I'm a relatively big guy. When I've had people bark at me, I usually didn't have to like get in a fight. I was just like, I sure you want to do this? I'll give as good as I get. We're both going to get hurt. Maybe we can just calm down a little bit here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if it, <laughs> I don't like the fact that now like being smart or fast or big doesn't matter to the guy that has Smith and Wesson on his side. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the great equalizer. (laughs) All of this kind of, kind of makes you reevaluate Thanos's way of thinking about the snap. I know he was doing it because he was saying resources and stuff. What if it just half the people just suddenly disappeared? It'd be people I agree with and people I don't agree with. I get that. But with, when suddenly 50% of the population disappears, I would think people might, stop a moment and back up a little maybe yeah, not maybe not it'd be like wow it'd be uh, mad max look at all the resources that i can grab because half the people are gone how do i take advantage of this situation not how do i learn yeah. from <laughs> you always got that disaster movie where godzilla is trampling the city and destroying everything left and right and you got the guy that's looting the big screen tv looting. out of the store exactly. what are you doing right, but it's right. that's what people would do you look at the mad max movies and the walking dead and the apocalypse and you get all these it's always these people trying to take over everybody else by force and we're going and i i look at it and i'm like okay there's so few people left but if everyone banded together you could make things good you could grow the food you could do but no we have to stay separate and fight for the power i'll tell you that those shows really might be one of the best things that's happened in these last 20 years because they let people see who the real monsters are and what you just said. What's the right way to live in a mutually dependent communal world? It isn't. How do I grab the most resources? How can I have the biggest bat with the barbed wire on it? When they showed various different things. Remember, there was the town had a certain number of limited resources. And they found out that the one that was the master of the stores was actually eating more than his share. And if I remember right, they either exiled him or killed him. Yeah. And that's exactly what you have to do. 
is if you really are all in this together, and then the first thing that happens is somebody starts to say, how can I get a little bit more? How can I be sneaky or be forceful in getting more than my fair share? Everybody else can say, that's not fair, and stop it if they want to. And then you find out how much it was, but I'm going to gather bully boys to me. And now the 20 of us can run the community of 100 because nobody's willing to stand up against 20. Maybe 100 be willing to stand up against 20. And it just, it has played out so many scenarios that we see going on right in the world now about wealth inequality, about ridiculous politics, all, all of that. So- if me, we learn the lessons, we'd be better off. <laughs> me and my friend Casey just had this conversation that we were talking about. He has a friend that's a prepper that the guy said, oh, yeah, oh. if the world ends, I'm set. I'm good to go. And Casey said, really? How are you good to go? He's like, oh, look, I've got this whole collection of guns. And Casey said, okay, but what are you going to eat? I'll just use my guns and take it from people till, till it's gone. And then what? I'll figure it out. Don't you think learning how to grow food that you've never done before would be a little more important than worrying about a gun that you can then take the last remaining canned food from somebody else? Yeah, Honestly, that is someone's plan. I'm going to yes. take somebody else instead of make my own or contribute. It's, to it's I have a grasshopper in the ant. You're going to hit winter. There's going to be no food left. You didn't grow anything and all the cans are gone. Now, what do you do? Because food doesn't grow like that. Trust me, we've had a garden for years. I know how long it takes. But uh, we'll see what happens with the way the world is going. You know what I mean? <laughs> that the way that the fear mongers stoke it is that there's automatically scarce resources. And so you have to fight for your own, take it from others and say, no, a better way to go. Competition is the law of nature. Cooperation is the law of civilization. And people have to learn that because we've been fraying it at the edges and wow, how many different groups do you think you're threatened by that you really don't see that if we all stopped feeling threatened, we'd all be better off? And, <laughs> and I don't know, there's people that are expert at stoking those flames again and again. And it's funny how, like I said, as long as I'm the one that's telling everybody who we should hate, then I have an extraordinary position, whether it's a politician or a priest or whatever else it might be. I, you got to be the other example, right? You know what I mean? Like I was saying, like we mostly tipped quite well. I, I don't have a problem with, I'm not looking to take vengeance. Some people really love the whole tipping thing because they get to really be in judgment of other people and they get to be persnickety and even nasty yeah. about it. And mostly Colin and I, Colleen and I were, wow, they're working so hard. They, they added to our experience, give them far more, give them 30% because we've got, if I was going to, what would I do with money instead? Another hour of video poker? No, I'm happy to say, go have them get something cool for their kids or whatever else it might right. be. Who knows how the real numbers and ratios work out there. But Colleen makes reference to, I think maybe a book called Tree Grows in Bro Brooklyn, where being able to be generous, being able to like tip like that is an amazing privilege. And if we want to feel privileged, it's not a matter of I wore my top hat and tails. It's a matter of I was able to help somebody else out with a little extra money that didn't harm us in giving it. Gen charity begins at home. We weren't really generous people, I guess. We'd be leaning, living even more leanly in order to make sure that everybody had some. But in our own little way, we have at least the spirit of share instead of hold on to right. you know what I'm Or I, worse, see how much more you could take away from others. Like that. So it was nice to get those things cast in such stark relief in a weekend in Vegas as to what kind of people are we really 
risk takers beyond sense? Are we gluttons beyond, you know what I mean? Are we were still very much ourselves in the middle of all this Vegas? Let's get a good deal. Let's take the deuce bus. I don't care about riding the bus. We could have taken the monorail, but it doesn't go as many places. But the monorail sounds cool. All right, we should take the monorail at least once. You know what I mean? Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so much the conversation. I'm sorry. What, what no. has been happening while I was well, in Vegas? I'm so. going to assume you did not see Guardians of the Galaxy yet. Hello? Uh-oh. We there? Oh, actually, we did. Oh. Thursday night. Before, are we, okay, yes. I, boy, exactly, because that was Thursday night. Before heading out to Vegas on Friday, uh, we, a bunch of us went to see it and had a really nice time. We So I really liked it. I think that it was a good conclusion to the series. Maybe not conclusion, because, of course, they always leave the seeds for how these characters can continue. Will there be a Guardians of the Galaxy 4? It's not based on there's no more stories to tell. It's more based on how many of the actors want to return to those roles right. and whether there might be a new set of Guardians and stuff. It sure was a lot of money up on the screen. All the CGI was really well done. There wasn't like, hey, let's play $20 million to Lex Luthor slash Marlon Brando. Then instead, I, I don't know, of course, what everybody made, but it sure seems that it was a great ensemble cast and really good conflicts understandable ones the galactic things really were galactic there's a dead real you know, sentinel head or whatever like that floating eternal head right floating in space that's nowhere they did really good stuff with um, what has come before and then mm -hmm. what should come after that for what do we need to resolve about this person's family problems this person's the forces in the universe that are always trying to what we just talked about either take over or steal resources or anyway what did you think I really I, had a nice time <laughs> honestly i think it's my favorite guardians movie i really enjoyed it and i was talking to colin about that i said if you evaluate the story itself it's it fits me perfect it's a middle grade story this is a story that is told but it could fit a middle grade book there was a lot more violence probably than most middle grade but that's that's the part that made it more adult but i really it, we've had how many marvel movies and how many guardians that we have to save the universe we have to save this huge thing and this time what it came down to was we're help, we're saving a friend it's family it's right. a smaller it's as emotional and as big of a problem as anything else that has come before it but it's extremely personal and i loved that they were able to do that because too many times you get the movies where they just keep ramping it up or ramp. What do you do? That's bigger every time. So right. I loved that. I love that about it. That is great analysis. And I don't know, again, it's only a week, so spoilers, but right. it's kind of funny. When somebody said no spoilers, but you mean I shouldn't tell who dies? Oops. I hope but you didn't care for the guardians that much. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I thought the integration of the high evolutionary and it's funny in the comic books, he's quietly insane. He's yes. Obsessed but he doesn't rave. Whereas the guy they got to play the high evolutionary, they really added that element of a little bit of screaming madness because he's so committed to the cause. And that little weirdness of if what I'm trying to do is create perfect life, better betterment, move towards the future. And I'm willing to break a lot of eggs in order to make that omelet. They showed that really well. Yes. Like, he was like uh, a bond villain. That's a great way to put it. Absolutely. That he actually delights in what yeah. he's doing and maybe it's at other people's expense, but that's just tough. They're in my way. The fact that maybe it's been obvious, like from the first, a character, Rocket Raccoon, was a fan favorite. And 
for all the right reasons. Hey, he's cute and fussy and cuddleable, but he's also was the hard talking, drinking, shooting, yes. thing, kleptomaniac, that kind of stuff. And they really did good work with oh. showing where he came from and what, that he was at stake and stuff like that. And how much that, I don't know, even people who are a little rough around the edges, they can really create a loyalty in their friends that they really are. It's kind of funny. I thought they'd more upplay the fact that he and Groot, I thought, were the pair, that they were like, even in the middle right. of the Guardians, they were still those two together. And they didn't do that as much. I thought that they gave Groot kind of a separate existence and he wasn't the one to run most towards we must save of course in saying i am Groot, we must save rocket raccoon you know what i mean <laughs> but they had great stuff with everybody had a turn drax mantis yeah. everybody had a chance to show off a little bit the cooling off of what goes on with gamora and star lord peter quill i don't know i maybe the best ensemble movie i can remember for everybody got time and it wasn't just we got to give them some time so let's cook up a plot it felt it really right was that they all had Issues they had to work on, and they all made sense and tied together. Yeah, or something like that. And here's big spoilers, but the two parts that I didn't care for and didn't ruin the movie for me, though. The one was minor, and it's more a personal thing. Okay. When Star-Lord was in space and freezing at the end, why didn't Gamora save him? That would have bookended the first movie perfectly. You're right. You're right. So maybe it was to say that they really are not a couple. Really, yeah, are. maybe. You know what I mean? But you're right; it would have been. But a tree. her growth okay. in the movie was seeing that life could be different, and seeing that other part that Peter remembered of her. This new Gamora was seeing it, so that would have helped that character arc. But the worst part of the whole movie was Adam Warlock, totally I mean, unessential. It, it, I, the fact that in the comic books he is a messianic figure that it really was him created to be a perfect human being specimen and then actually gets elevated from there to being a guardian of the galaxy cosmically aware not quite to the level of Captain Marvel. but see starlin whoever whoever took those things and made them much more what they what we think of them today like the starlin things about adam warlock and his counterpart the magus and all that kind of stuff much more really cosmic and yeah. existential, not even like Biff Bam Pow heroes and stuff like that. And here he was just a doofus, not necessary, kind of like a pretty Drax. Yeah. You know what I mean? All bronze, golden, etc. Anyway, How can you really do anything with Adam Warlock post-Infinity Stones? What well. did he have in his head? It was nothing. <laughs> my, the thing is, what bothered me about him is he was that deus ex machina because he would just show up why did he just show up? Oh, now he started a fight. Why? Like three times he did that. And on once or side? twice. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's just, I, I was just like, yeah. I, Colin said they hinted at him and introduced him a little bit way back before. And then they didn't have him by end game. So they were like putting him in there because they needed to, or I'm like, they should have just left him out. I'd rather they just left him out. Yeah. Maybe it's a favorite of James Gunn. We'll say this also. Seeing how James Gunn has done a couple great movies now, the Suicide Squad, I think, and this one, and now that the DC Universe is in his hands, I think it's going to be much more the kind of movie that I like to see. Kind of yeah. the Marvel, there's a lot of personal relationships as well as the big battles, and that he's just got certain people really have a feel from growing up with it, what makes comic books cool what makes marvel or dc the different things that they are but there's enough crossover that you want to include elements of those kinds of things so i'm 
confident now more more than I knew. Just I agree. In seeing his work, that I think there's going to be some really cool. It's got the big buildups and then those little quieter and like humorous passages to let you catch your breath and to yeah. move the plot forward without it all is just being a freight train rolling forward, gaining speed. I'm looking forward to the DC, the new Flash movie. The trailer looks great. So. <laughs> We'll Isn't see. that one of the joys of going to the theaters when you see a superhero movie is you get to see six trailers of, I'm there, I'm going to see that one. You know, it's like my, my my palette is set from the end of the year. Yeah, it's cool. missing any of those. Colin said, oh, we got to start taking notes of all these movies we want to see. Because we went and saw Bo is Afraid with Joking Phoenix. It's from Ari Aster, who did Midsummer and Hereditary before that, which are quirky horror. They're not your typical horror. And I made the comment, I says, wow, it's, I've started calling it new horror because the stuff over the last five years is nothing like the slasher flicks, nothing like evil dead or exorcist, right? It's, a, it's sometimes demonic and possessions, but there's a lot of mental health issues or they delve into horror in different ways. And that's what he's done. So Bo is afraid. Oh, Ari Aster did a movie. It's going to be horror. It wasn't. It was, you could say, you could argue some facts of it, but it was totally different. And it was weird. It was essentially viewing the world through the eyes of a man with mental health issues and how he viewed the world. Wow. Okay. And then at the end, the horror twist is how his mother created that in him. And that oh, was where the wall by Pink Floyd, you know what I mean? She yes. goes, Mom did this to me and I suffer for the rest of my life for it. Okay. Yes. Interesting. So, okay. Yeah. It's not okay. a cup of tea for everybody, okay. but there's so many good horror movies coming out that look good. Evil Dead Rise over the weekend, I guess, made over $20 million. So I was like, yeah, wow. I haven't seen that one yet. I need to go catch. In fact, there's a couple of things. I still haven't seen John Wick 4. And I really want to Neither see it in the theater instead of, sorry? I haven't seen it either. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I there's some, I still have. I want the enveloping experience of being in the theater instead of even on my nice, relatively big screen TV at home. I, I want to lose myself in too many bullets. I just, and I'm trying to think, there's a couple, maybe because finally I'm getting to a wonderful, stable place. Mom is here. I visit her regularly. Things are not broken up by my being out of town a week out of each month. And so right. it's like time to go back to the health club, time to clean up the house a little bit. You don't realize how much, I didn't realize how much I was putting things on hold. Even though I had three weeks out of four out of the month, I always seemed to be working on making sure mom is safe, making sure the house gets sold, making sure all the paperwork, all of the legal, I didn't do it all. My brother did so much of it. He's done an amazing job in handling a lot of as executor and, and, point man for the family, if you will. But I was always trying to be his backup that I'll take care of some of the details. And, and having said that, the details have gotten down to a more manageable level. And now it's time to like, Colleen's getting ready to retire. What are our plans for retirement? And start to make those big lists and start to, we're not going to happen just by here's hoping, start to looking into what would it take to go to Alaska? We still have Alaska and Hawaii, our last two states to go to out of the 48, uh, out of the 50 state capitals. And like, When's the right, right time to do that? What's the right cruise to go on? Are we, we going to drive up through Canada? Five days of wheat fields in order to get to Alaska? We have kiboshed that, even though we love driving vacations, you know? Anyway, I'm because of that, I haven't done, I used to go regularly and play hooky, go to see two movies at one and three, be home by five, and have the whole theater to yourself. They went on hold 
during COVID, but there's a couple of times when I went and I just stayed masked up, didn't eat any popcorn or do any drink, didn't touch anyone. But I, and now it's it's more hospitable and I don't need to worry about that. I need to recover some of those good habits because it's very cool to see yeah. a, a good movie in the big theater instead of in the smaller version. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, yeah, and this weekend, the new Fast and the Furious movie comes. So ah, I'm going to go yeah. see that even after the stupid Toyota in space in the last movie. <laughs> I'm hoping Jason Momoa is in this one. Okay. Everybody's in it except The Rock. These are just such huge ensembles anymore. And the stunts are ridiculous. And but, I have never seen one through IX all the way through. Not a single <laughs> one of them. But having said that, why not? But I've seen all the Expendables. I've seen all the John Wicks. I I've love Expendables. All kinds of other, just that kind of thing. We're like, Let's shoot everything and blow everything up. It, I, maybe, it's funny, some of these things I also go to by myself because Colleen doesn't really love the Guns and Explosions movies like I do. You know what I'm saying? to go see Capote and I want to go see John Wick. Kind of I know Vin Diesel said something about that he got producing control or something of the franchise for the last couple movies and so he wants to get it back to what it was originally more of the racing and not so much the other stuff they were doing. Okay. I, I don't mind conspiracy type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't mind the, uh, everything they've done. So, some of the heist movies I think were just loads of fun, but I just, I love the cars. I love watching the racing. I'm hoping they have some good race chase scenes and stuff. That's what I go for it for. I'll tell you real quick. I'm regularly browsing Netflix, Amazon, etc. And there are some movies that I see that is that never got theatrical release because it's a Netflix or an Amazon production. But boy, would that be great on the big screen. I just saw a movie called Polar with Mods Mikkelsen as a hitman that's getting ready to retire, but the agency for whom he works would rather kill him than pay him what they owe him. And so <laughs> there's a lot of people trying to kill him and him. It's really well done. It's got some great combat scenes, great scenes of depravity, if you will. The I just some of these i'm like i watched red notice more than once because it's got great dialogue great scenes i've watched gray man more than once that by having watched it then i went and i read all the books but it really is certain people either actors or the characters are so engaging that i'm glad it's a series because now i don't get just one dose i get to think maybe they'll make it a sequel to polar though i'm not sure but i know that there's going to be more than one gray man movie there has to be and other things just i'm really enjoying that some people really seem to get what makes a movie like that good. That it's yes. not only a good hero, but a good villain. James Bond has proven that formula again and again. And that the combat scenes have to be not only over the top, but like once in a while, just like a Jason Bourne movie, some of the fight scenes in that are so realistic, so exhausting that you're like, wow, that really is what it would be like that you're, you have to survive no matter what it takes. You're going to kill a guy with a magazine. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm, and it's, I don't, of course, only watch shoot 'em ups and explosions movies. I'm still enjoying many comedies and many mysteries and stuff like that. But some of those, like I said, the particular thing of, I would like to see that on the big screen. If ever they do like a theatrical release, I might actually go see that. We'll see. <laughs> I guess there are some Netflix movie theaters around the country where because they wanted to get into the Academy Awards or whatever. Oh, that makes sense. Exactly. And unfortunately, Cleveland is not one of their markets. No. Okay. Now, okay. there's a speaking of all those movies, Gray Man and stuff, there's one on Apple TV. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Another streaming service that I now want to get. But it's got Chris <laughs> Evans in it. And he, it's called ghosted. He's, he goes, the 
date this girl and then right. she goes to him and it turns out she's a spy and he gets pulled into it. So instead of it being the hunky man as the spy and the woman getting into it, it's right. now this lady that drags him along and he's he's the bumbling fool. I think that's wonderful. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to buy it, get Apple TV for a while, but at least I could now watch Foundation. <laughs> it's funny. I We've been watching, I still have Apple TV because I get it from being Apple something or other, but we've been watching the Ted Lasso's and that's worth getting in. We just saw a trailer for Ghost. It's now from that and it's something silo, maybe it might be on there or maybe that's not another one. Regularly, there's always new stuff coming out. And so we talked a little bit about this, the difficulty of putting together the lists of what you should see if you're looking at the hundred movies of all time, but there's almost so much new content coming out that it just pushes those things off everybody's screens. Who's going right. to go watch the thin man from the forties when I've got new murder and, mysteries, new film noir, et cetera. That's the sad part about losing the Netflix DVD because there's so many movies there that aren't on streaming or they're hard to find on streaming. You have to really, they're not in the main ones. You have to go to find Pluto or T or Tubi or something. That's right. I just did that. I got a big queue. I got 500, 480 movies in my queue and I just bubbled up all the ones that if I don't see them on Netflix, I might have to go searching libraries and looking on Tubi and stuff for the old style stuff. So that's I did exactly the same right. thing. I saw the announcement and I went, oh man. So I went, okay, move that one up, move that one up, move that yeah. one up. It's, I know I can get this elsewhere. I can see this. It's not a big deal for this. Oh, move these up. Yeah, I did it, the it, same it, it thing. Lots of urgency to those kinds of things. And as I mentioned, I, we have watched all the Hitchcocks that we could, all the Woody Allens, all the Cone Brothers, various different things. If there's anything left in those lists, sometimes they go away and then they come back. I'm bubbling all those up so that I will see as many of those particular directors or types as I possibly can. I will say HBO definitely has become a major streaming service for us to watch because they've added so many good old movies or older movies. They've got, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. I don't haunt them enough. Okay. They've got <laughs> almost all the universal. They've got Godzilla. It's every time I go on there, it's suddenly there's, oh my gosh, you have these movies. It's there's a few movies that haven't, I haven't seen on streaming and now they're there on HBO. So I'm like, we got HBO originally for something that was on there. Oh, for Friends. When Gina okay. had her knee surgery, we got HBO so she could watch Friends. Okay. And then they, I like, then all the DC stuff was on there. And right. so we watched that. Game but of it, Thrones, particular stuff. Exactly. Yeah. It was yeah. always intended, okay, we'll cancel this. But it's, I can't, me and Colin watch HBO almost as much as we watch Star Wars and Marvel on Disney. So yeah, yeah. It, I'd get rid of Netflix streaming before I'd get rid of HBO at this point. Wow, that's a big statement because Netflix has so much. I, it, I see what you're saying. It, it does. But... Whatever our tastes are. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, hey. Okay. Let's see. Uh, thank you very much for your flexibility this week. I'm sorry about the, no problem. the whole thing of Vegas <laughs> and weirdness about schedule and that kind of stuff. We, we had actually ended up waiting like two hours for after we rushed to the airport to get there, which meant I couldn't be in a place where I'd be able to do. Then we sat mechanical difficulties and luckily it didn't turn out to be mechanical difficulties and we don't have an engine in the place right. you wait another day it's like that commercial now yeah it's good it's pretty good now that commercial that they have. right before things blow up or fall apart all right uh, have a good week and we'll see what we have for next week then that was great thanks Stephen. okay Bye. Bye. This has been the Relentless Geekery Podcast. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and go give us a review. Give us some likes. It would help a lot. 
Check out our website, RelentlessGeekery.com, where we have links to our Facebook page, Join the Conversation, and go check out our YouTube page, where we have the video of this and other episodes. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.